Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Bible readings this morning, particularly that second reading from 1 Corinthians and the Gospel reading, the reading of the Beatitudes. These readings remind us that in sending Jesus Christ, that in God sending his Son to save us from our sin, he turns everything upside down. God's blessings are hidden, hidden in the weak, hidden in the lowly things of this world. Things like water with which we baptise, words on pages which we read and hear, things like bread and wine which we'll receive a little bit later in the service. And the cross itself appears evil, an instrument of torture. But as the Apostle Paul says, it is the message, a foolish message to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. In Christ, God turns everything upside down. Who would expect to find victory over sin and death in the shame and degradation of a public execution, much less the public execution of God's own dear Son. Who would expect to find wisdom in the foolishness of a dying man's moans for deliverance or in the preaching of that person's death? Who would call themselves blessed when they mourn or when they are persecuted for following Jesus and for simply believing what he says. And who would expect the meek to inherit the earth? In Jesus Christ, our world is turned upside down. And the Beatitudes that we heard just a few moments ago say the opposite of what we would expect them to. But then again, they aren't what we might suppose them to be. The Beatitudes are not attitudes for better living, nor are they keys for finding happiness and success in life. They are not promises of God's blessing for having a certain attitude or for certain behaviour. Rather, the Beatitudes are expressions of the new reality for the child of God who by virtue of the death and resurrection of Jesus finds God's blessings in the most unexpected and even the most unnatural places and circumstances of life. Now I know that's quite a bit of a mouthful. I'll try and say that in simple terms. When we read and when we hear the Beatitudes we are hearing Jesus proclaim to us these blessings are not things that you strive for nor are they things that you can actually achieve on your own effort but what we hear Jesus say is that the kingdom of heaven is here and you are a part of it and because we are all a part of it this is our state of being poor in spirit, 
meek. And yes, persecuted, but most definitely blessed. To help us understand that, let's get into the context of when these words were first said. And I invite you to imagine that you are not sitting in Trinity Lutheran Church this morning. Rather, you were sitting on a green, grassy hillside. Well, that's a bit brown there. A green, grassy hillside covered with bright yellow and lavender flowers. The hillside is on the other side of the world, just west of the ancient town of Capernaum. Below you is the Sea of Galilee, which from where you're seated looks as beautiful, bright blue as the sky above and the air is fresh. You are a disciple of Christ. He has called you and you have been following. And you are on the hillside with Jesus and his other disciples. Over time, a crowd grows to hear what Jesus has to say. But to start with, it's just you and the other disciples and Jesus. And Jesus begins to speak. You listen and Jesus says these following words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So do you get it? Does it make sense? As a child of Israel, you have been waiting for the Messiah to come, the one who will bring in the kingdom. You live in an occupied country. The Romans are in charge by force. Jesus has come. And like many, you wonder if he is the Messiah. You dare to believe it based on the signs. And he has announced that the kingdom is at hand. You're expecting him to say the kingdom is mighty or that the kingdom is for the mighty. And you expect him to say that all of your enemies will be overthrown and that all of your troubles will disappear. There will be no more fear. There will be no more persecution. There will be no more hunger or poverty. There will be no more sadness or illness. There will even be no more death. And then you hear what he has to say. And he turns everything upside down. The kingdom is for the poor. If you're in the kingdom, you are poor in spirit. And you're meek. And you're persecuted. But you're blessed. And even to our modern ears, This is topsy-turvy. It doesn't fit with the messages that we get every day in our modern Western world. And so we don't get it either very easily. We too often don't get the Beatitudes. And we often convert them instead into a list of things that we have to get right before God will bless us. And so we go on a quest, a quest to become poor in spirit, and more sorrowful and more meek 
and so forth. And some of us even look for persecution. And to add to this, there's an unfortunate linguistic twist. Mr. Slide. The word beatitude sounds like two English words, be and attitude. It is very easy for us to start thinking then that these are the attitudes that I must be in order to get these blessings from God. But attitude is just simply Latin for blessing. And there are many publications out there that play around with this unfortunate linguistic twist and have such titles as the be happy attitudes. You'll be happy if you're poor in spirit. You'll be happy if you're merciful. That's very natural. It's a very natural human attitude as a fallen human being to find these sorts of things attractive. We like it when someone says, you can take control of your life. If you follow these guidelines, if you follow these principles, if you do these steps, you will achieve your goal. And we sanctify them and we Christianise them and we say, if you are poor in spirit, you'll be a much more blessed Christian. If you are meek and hunger for thirst and righteousness, you will gain more faith. This kind of thinking is very attractive and appealing to our old sinful nation, but it's a lie. Because it doesn't always happen, does it? I can't tell you how sad it is for me to talk with people who have heard this false teaching all their lives and they don't understand why it hasn't worked. I've been taking charge, pastor, I've been doing these things. I'm hungering for and thirsting for righteousness, but I'm not satisfied. I have mourned, but I don't feel comforted. I've tried to be pure in heart, but I can't get it right. What can I do? Someone somewhere has taken the marvellous gospel blessings of Jesus Christ and has twisted them into a law. And the weight of that law crushes people and runs the risk of driving us into despair. And it breaks my heart to see such despair because there is such great gospel in the Beatitudes. We see this when we look at the structure. Jesus' words the Beatitudes, very precisely to make this Gospel point. If you think of bookends, you know those things that hold your books together on a shelf? First Beatitude and the last Beatitude are like the bookends at the end of a row of books. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The bookends is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is describing what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the people in the kingdom of heaven are like by virtue of the fact that they are in the kingdom. And a kingdom is not just a place, not in the Bible. In the scriptures, a kingdom is the ruling activity of a king. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is the ruling presence of God. Wherever God is, Wherever God is active, there is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the deeds of God performed in and through Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven includes everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus continues to do 
even through us, to bring eternal life with him. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ himself. And the phrase poor in spirit simply describes the way we are. We are poor in spirit. We have no spiritual resources of our own. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation for ourselves. We are born into the debt of sin and we only go deeper into debt as we live. All people are poor in spirit, everyone, everywhere. We cannot help it. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that good news? The presence of God in human flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, is a blessing for all sinners. The people who heard Jesus teach this the first time didn't have the whole story. But we do. We've seen Easter. We've been blessed by it. We've seen the resurrection. We know that Jesus is a blessing for all sinners because we have seen him take the debt of sin of the world to the cross and pay it. We who were deep in the debt of sin are now rich in Jesus Christ, who is the kingdom of heaven. Our wealth in Christ has made sure, was made sure when Jesus rose from the dead. So the beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, simply means that sinners are blessed because Jesus has earned salvation for them. And the bookend of the eighth beatitude, the last one, persecuted for righteousness' sake, also describes the way we are. And the righteousness in this phrase is not our good deeds, it's the righteousness of Christ that he has earned for us with his perfect life and innocent suffering and death. The world hates Jesus and so it hates those who have his righteousness. It hates his kingdom. We are a part of the kingdom so the world hates us. As a result, the world persecutes those who believe. When this happens, Jesus promises us his blessings because the one who reigns in heaven already belongs to believers in such difficult times. The persecution of the church is part of the now but not yet part of the Christian faith. The reign of Christ in this world is a hidden reality. Jesus rules. He's in charge. But he doesn't rule from power but from the apparent weakness of the cross. He shows his true power only to those who believe in him. And it's only on the last day that all people everywhere will see Jesus and know that he is both Lord and Christ. But we already know that. We already confess that. And so that even though the world persecutes us because we confess that, we have the blessing of being a part of the kingdom, the eternal kingdom. And as we remember the blessing that Jesus gives us in these bookends, the kingdom of heaven, we see that all the Beatitudes depend on Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are poor in spirit because Jesus was poor in spirit. Jesus was truly humble. Jesus did not demand his own way. And he was innocent of all sin. 
We fail miserably at being poor in spirit and so we do not deserve the kingdom. But Jesus declares, take heart, I have become poor in spirit so that for you so that I can take away your sins. And since your sins are gone, I give you the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Jesus mourned in the presence of sin and death. That's why he was born of Mary, so that he could die for us. Sadly, rather than mourning sin, we're too busy committing it. But the Lord says, I know your sin, and so I've suffered and died your death, so that I might call you to repentance and comfort you with forgiveness. Repent and believe the gospel. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We fail at meekness. So often we are trying to get our own way. Jesus responds, I gave up all privilege and went to the cross to redeem you, to forgive you and bless you with a new heaven and a new earth that will not pass away. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of a man, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus did so quite literally, hunger for thirst and righteousness. In the wilderness, tempted by the devil, Jesus fasted and went hungry as he resisted all temptation for our sake. On the cross, he thirsted as his father punished him for the sins of the world. Again, in our sin, we hardly hunger and thirst for righteousness. We consider it an additional chore to do try and be good. This hardly merits blessing. But Jesus declares, I have already suffered, hungered and thirsted and died for your sake. Therefore I forgive you and fill you with my righteousness. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Everywhere Jesus went, people cried out for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Cried the sick, the blind and the possessed. And Jesus did. Rather than leave them as they were, he gave them health and sight and faith. They didn't deserve it, neither do we. But the Lord is merciful, never giving us what we deserve. Instead, he mercifully and graciously declares, you are forgiven. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, was made the sinner guilty of all sin on the cross as the Father punished him for our wrongdoing. But God the Father raised him from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Our sinful hearts keep us out of God's presence and away from his grace. But Jesus announces, I take your sin away. I cleanse you of your impurity. I create in you a clean heart. Therefore I will raise you sinless from the dead and you will look upon the face of God and live. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, made peace with God for us. If we were enemies of God, everything would be out of the question. But Jesus declares, I have made peace 
with you, between the Father and you. You are now children of God. You are now heirs of heaven. And so you can make peace with each other. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He suffered the torture, the scorn and the death. It's all too easy for us to remain silent when we should speak up and avoid persecution or fail to rejoice when persecution comes. But Jesus responds, I have already stood up and I have suffered for you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Repent and believe the gospel. You live a truly blessed life. And it's not because you just, just because you live in Australia and because we have good jobs and nice houses and all those sorts of things. We rejoice. We are exceedingly glad. We are truly blessed because of what Christ has done for us. And the Beatitudes point us to Jesus Christ. They send us straight to Jesus who has filled them all to give us these blessings. All of this is yours on account of Christ. In service to you, he has been poor in spirit, grief-stricken over your sin, meek, hungry for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker and persecuted. He has done all this for you on his way to the cross to die your death. For his sake, God the Father declares, because of my Son, all these blessings are yours. Truly blessed you are. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen.